Before we begin today's episode of Bride to Be, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past and present whose lands were never ceded. Welcome to Bride to Be. I'm Megan. And I'm Taylor Broad. Whether you're planning a wedding, you're in a bridal party, or you're just here for the tea, we're here to walk down the aisle with you. Whatever that may look like. Hello, everyone. Hi, we are back. We're back again. <laughs> I think we say that every week. Well, we are back. They're listening yeah. to us weekly. Yeah, hopefully you're coming back. Tay, I can't help but see your ring is very, very sparkly. Do you know what? I did a clean. <sighs> I chucked it in the little electronic cleaner, popped some dishwashing liquid in there, and she has come up nice and sparkly, mm. which is really good because... We actually have a guest today who made my ring and I feel like he would be quite disgusted in me if I walked in with a really dirty ring, which is how it looks 90% of the time. I'm just going to keep my hand down because there's a lot of scratches on the bottom that probably need a good buff out. So maybe we just don't tell him that when he comes on later. Yeah. Okay. More on that later. I saw an engagement disaster the other day. Did the partner say no? No. No, 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 worse. Okay. She dropped the ring, (gasps) which is fine, in the sand. No. So I didn't actually see this in real life, everyone. I'm not going to take credit for it. Is this the TikTok that went viral? Yes. I saw this. Yeah, in Sydney. Yes, and they had all of those pictures because it was nighttime as well. Mm -hmm. It's not like daytime where you can see this thing sparkling. No, (gasps) no. It was a pretty amazing proposal. So he'd set up like all these... I guess like lights or candles. Fairy light candles. Fairy light candles on the beach at night. Big marry me sign up, light up sign. Everything we would have hated. Yeah, I know. We would have died. (laughs) Would have been like, please get us out of this public place. But really beautiful. Almost like the Australian version of Kourtney Kardashian's proposal with less flowers. Quite nice. And I stalked the article to find out the details. And apparently she had the ring on, but it was quite big. So it literally just slipped off and popped into the sand, but it's nighttime. Oh. So then all these people, because it was a pretty big setup, all these people came with their iPhone torches and were looking for the ring. That's when you need. Do you know when you go to the beach and you see the one random man with a metal detector going through the surf and the sand? I would have been calling him up. Right, who's the local weirdo that comes down with a metal detector? 100%. And they would have found it. They would have. Did they find the ring? Yes, someone found it. Wow. Do you know what? Amazing that everyone came in to help, but that's actually creating more of a problem because everyone's stepping on the sand and the sand would have been covering the ring, whereas it potentially would have just sat on top. Yeah, you're so But with everyone walking around, look, my takeaway from this story is do not propose on sand. Maybe go pick some floorboards (laughs) or some grass where you can see where this ring is going to land. I'd actually seen another one, though, where they were on, like, decking kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. There was a pier but it was like slatted so there's you know, gaps. wooden boards. Yeah, so there's gaps. And the ring had slipped through the little gap. That is a nightmare. Did he jump scary. in the water? Yeah, they found it. They actually found this it. This is what baffles me, the fact that they find the ring. Yeah, it is a needle in a haystack. I think you'd just be like, I just spent all this money on this ring. I need to find it. God, yeah, Nathan would have been in there pulling up the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get your ring size? prior to getting engaged or did Nathan just guess it? 
Nathan guessed it. However, I'd worked with his jeweler before, so I had worn his rings before. So he had a rough idea, which was really handy, but Mm -hmm. I definitely would suggest potentially being a bit sneaky and pinching one of your partner's rings, whether it just be a cheapo one or one that probably wouldn't go for one they wear all the time. They're going to notice it's missing Mm -hmm. and just take that to the jeweler and say, size it as best to this. Whereas it's funny because with Nathan's actual wedding band, he tried it on because you go in together, do that process. He tried it on, was happy with the sizing. He has a broken knuckle yeah. on the finger because of football. So it had to be big enough to go over the knuckle, which then makes it a bit bigger because then once you go over, it's obviously not as fat and swollen. However, he still liked it on the day, got to the wedding, and all he did for a week was complain about this ring being too big. And what I was trying to describe to him is you're not used to wearing a ring on your finger. It probably isn't that it's too big because you tried it on and you enjoyed it in the shop. (laughs) (laughs) You enjoyed the experience. You enjoyed it. It was fit. And now you're just not used to having it on all the time. It's like when we put a ring on a different finger it feels weird for a little while and you have to get used to it. And he was like, nope, we're getting it resized. So I was like, fine, I'll take it over to Sydney when I go next. I asked him a month ago, mind you, it's been just over six months. No, it fits great. <laughs> oh, my God. So he just had to get used to it, the <laughs> poor little doll. He just needed to listen to his wife. Oh, he did. Happy wife, happy life. Exactly. Really funny. So I don't have a broken finger knuckle. knuckle. But my right hand compared to my left hand are two completely different sizes. So are mine. Because I'm getting married in like a Greek ceremony and in that ceremony the wedding band goes on your right hand. My engagement ring doesn't even fit on my right hand. Could you put it on the pinky? I could. But luckily (laughs) I'm actually just going to use one of my mum's rings as like a wedding band in the ceremony. I mean most people probably won't have to worry about that. But if your partner is grabbing a ring try and get it from the same hand because hands can differ sizes hugely, like literally two different sizes, the same finger. I feel like we've really asked a lot of the partners today, make sure it's the right hand, make sure you steal the ring, make sure she doesn't notice. They'll be thinking, oh, my God, who am I, James Bond? (laughs) Don't propose over any gaps. Don't propose on the beach. Don't propose anywhere that it can fall asleep. We're full of ideas today. Yeah, 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 we're on fire. On this week's episode, we have got the amazing Michael Arthur, who is a qualified jeweler and CEO of Michael Arthur Diamonds. Michael and his team can help you design your dream ring like he did with Taylor. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, ladies. Well, I know Michael because he designed and created my engagement ring and wedding band and Nathan's wedding band, which, mind you, is always sitting in our shower because he forgets to put it back on. He's not wearing it. But it's okay. Breathing (laughs) through it. So talk us through the process as such of when someone is thinking of proposing and how to go about finding the perfect ring. Yeah, so there are a few stages to it. I think the first stage that I seem to find is the, partner would be, you know, first scrolling through social media to see what type of designs that they like. Um, They might screenshot certain rings that we've posted and then they might get in contact with us and say, look, you know, I'm interested in this. How much roughly would this cost? So I think for 
the starting point, it's a bit of a, a juggling effect. They're, they're trying to understand how it works in terms of the quality, the size, and the cost. They're trying to sort of figure that all out. And you have a service on your website as well, which I guess kind of cuts out the middleman, where mm. you can go on and create a ring and with the costing. Is that right? Correct. Yes. So um, during COVID, I realized that the business itself wasn't COVID proof. So the seven months that we were sort of shut down or eight months, I had spent creating a new website. So the new website, you are literally able to jump online and create the design that you want and the imagery will actually change to suit whatever you select. And once you've created the actual design, you can then jump onto our live inventory, which is all our diamonds, lab grown and natural, and you'll be able to see the pricing so that you can combine the two together. So you have the price of the design as well as the price of the diamond and combine together and you can literally check out within like 60 seconds. So it's almost like build a ring. It is. It's literally build a ring. So once you've built the ring, you can jump onto the diamond options. You can see the qualities. You can see the measurements of the diamond. You can actually see the certificates for each one. And then once you're happy with the diamond that you selected, yeah, you, you add it to the ring and you can literally check out online. So we actually get online orders daily because of this design that we've created. So it not only helps with the online orders, but it helps give our clients an idea of costing. And then what they, they want to do is they go, okay, well, I know how much something's going to cost me. I just want to see what it looks like on my hand. So then they'll book in and then they'll come in and, you know, see one of the team or myself and generally move forward that way. That's awesome. And it's also good at, I think, managing expectations because mm. on like Insta and stuff like that, you could see a ring that you love, yeah. send it to your partner, but it's literally like a four carat ring. Correct. Look, if that's your vibe, I support you fully because yep. that's an amazing carat size, but realistic expectation of costing within you know, the financial budget. Yeah. So a phrase that we always hear are the four C's. Yes. What are they and what does it even mean? Yeah. So they are important. There are other factors to diamonds, which I can get into as well, but the four C's are the color of the, the diamond, the clarity. So that's basically the imperfections inside each individual diamond, the cut. So the finish of the stone and the carat weight. So oh. as you mentioned, like a four carat, three carat, two carat, that's basically a carat weight. It's similar to grams, but it's a lot more sensitive. I never knew that. Yes. Neither. So right. when we cut the diamond and basically the finish of the stone, the carat weight comes from the actual weight once we weight it, not necessarily the measurements. So right. we'll get into this mm -hmm. as well because measurements of diamonds are actually more important than the weight. Oh, explain. Yes. <laughs> yes. So basically I'll give you an example. So if we were to look at an oval cut, mm -hmm. you can get them elongated or you can get them rounder. Now, you can get two of the same carat weight, but one will look smaller. Yes, because it's like less spread out. Yes. So what happens is the carat weight's at the base of the stone. Uh -huh. So because you've got to remember, we're weighing it on a scale, right? Yeah. So from the top view, you can have a stone that's elongated and a lot more, I guess, top heavy. Mm -hmm. And then another one could be bottom heavy. So they both weigh two carats, but put them side by side. One's going to look a lot smaller. So if size is your vibe, you got to yeah, go for elongated. And elongated. make sure the jeweler knows yes. that or your partner, yeah. I guess, knows yeah. that. Yeah. So on our website as well, what we've done is on each diamond you can select, we've put the measurements directly underneath it. So literally side by side, you can compare the different measurements. Clever. Yeah, that's really, really important. Okay. Super important for elongated shapes. Okay, I like that. So I guess that is kind of the main thing you would look at and then obviously clarity. And yes, the and then colour. Yeah, so those two are super important. Now, with clarity, we can start off with that. There is a lower end of the spectrum. So the lower end would be uh, what we call SI2 and below. We don't really want to work with that 
quality because you will see imperfections to our, to our naked eye. Yeah. It will be a lot cheaper, yes, but like anything in life, if it's cheap, it's cheap for a reason. So you could see a big black dot in the centre or a few little black dots internally of the stone. That's not external, that's, that's internal. We like to sort of work SR1 and above. Now, I know it doesn't mean too much to you guys at the moment, but in this scale grading, under a 10 times magnification, that's the only time you're actually going to be able to see anything right. internally. So if I put my hand out, no <coughs> one would see. The Definitely not. You wouldn't be able to see. So ideally, if you can go a little bit higher than that, so like VS2, VS1, your Dom Taylor is actually a VS1, that's the sweet spot because you're then not overpaying to have like a flawless diamond. Yeah. But you're still getting a really high-end stone. So that's really important. Okay, that's know, a good tip. That. Yeah. So Beautiful. VS1, VS2, we highly recommend in Lab or Natural. And with the colour grading, it's a little bit different. So... With the colour, it's important. There's two main factors we need to consider. What colour metal you're going to actually put the stone in, mm. what shape you're going for, because mm. colour reflects differently depending on the shape. Ah, okay. So anything that's, for instance, a shallower stone, like an oval, let's use an oval for an example, uh, you will see colour a lot easier. So if you were to go for a slightly uh, lower colour grade, you're going to tell straight away at an oval versus a round. Right. So the round's a little bit deeper, so you can hide it a little bit more. Now, if you're going for a yellow gold ring, it's important to understand that the yellow gold is actually going to reflect a little bit of yellow in the diamond regardless. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily need to go the highest colour grade. You could be spending more money where you don't need to. Yes. So if you were to go in a white metal, so like platinum or white gold, we recommend D, E or F. So they're the top three colors. Mm -hmm. Now, as you work your way down, G, H, I, J, that's sort of like the remaining that drop in. You can get away with going for the lower ones if you are going in yellow gold because that reflection of the yellow it's always going to hide that color in the diamond a little bit more. So that's a bit of a trick. And that's a good hack for, I guess, yeah. like balancing the financial game of it Most all. definitely. Price point, yep, yeah. it, it helps that way. You could potentially get something larger with a lower color. Yes. As opposed to going for a higher color with a smaller stone. So that's yeah. really important. So even just sitting here hearing all this, it can mm. feel and sound a bit overwhelming, especially yes. for a partner who may have never picked out jewelry before. Yeah. Do you think that there is more people coming in now with their partners to pick out their engagement ring or is it still kind of that surprise element? No, most definitely. I think due to social media these days and the size of the stones that I guess our clientele are definitely looking towards, the partners don't want to get it wrong. So <laughs> they're going to come in either together or they might come in alone, try some rings on. We have all the information down and then they give us the partner's details and then we contact them and say, look, whenever you're ready, we're sorted, let us know and we can guide you along the way. Mm, I like that. And it kind of takes the pressure off as well. Yeah. Well, you're spending that much on a ring. You want to get it right, don't you? <laughs> yeah, 100%. If someone hasn't come in together yes. and they have no clue what ring size their partner's ring finger is, do you have any tips and tricks or like how to eyeball it or like how can you yeah. get this ring size? Steal a ring. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of ways to do it. If they have jewellery already, so mm -hmm. if they do have a ring already, mm -hmm. Just depending on which finger size. So generally we just need to know which finger size they wear it on. Sorry, which finger they wear it on. Yeah. And then I'll be able to adjust the size to suit their engaged ring finger. So all we need is actually the inside diameter of that ring. We don't actually need the ring in person. And once I have that measurement, I can then adjust it to suit whichever finger. You could do that with a piece on. of string, couldn't you? Correct. So you can do it with a piece of string or a thin piece of paper. But the thing is with that is if you want it to be a surprise, then it's a little bit harder. If you nick yeah. their ring. If you nick their ring, different. Put the string inside the ring. 
yes. then measured that. Could that be an Correct. option? Correct. That's another option. But even still. That's if, advice I give people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good one. The other one is if you were to just lay the ring down yep. and then have a ruler go across. Oh, right. yeah. So, that's probably easier. Yeah, that's that all I need. <laughs> more mathematical. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's literally the measurement that I need. And then uh, which finger that they wear it on. And then we can adjust from there. Beautiful. My boss actually had a good idea. So someone that she knows is getting engaged Mm. and she was saying that she's going to make her get a spray tan, Uh, take her ring off. Smart. And then measure it. I mean, it's a bit of an elaborate plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If it works, then it's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Generally, I find that people take their jewellery off at night. So, you know, before bed or, you know, if you can jump in and and get the measurement that way. Because we've been doing it for quite a bit of time now, I can actually gauge and guess from a photo of the partner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I can get within one or two sizes just by looking at a hand. Wow. Talking about taking rings off at night, Mm. it wasn't till about, what do you reckon, seven months? Yeah. (laughs) Seven months after having my ring, did I find out that you shouldn't sleep with it? Yes. So I was sleeping with my ring on all the time Mm. and got in a bit of trouble by Michael, but yes. that's okay. We've moved on from that. I now take it <laughs> off at night. So if Nathan wants to buy me another diamond ring, it's next to the bed. Oh. Yeah, there's a, there's a few reasons why that we don't recommend wearing your jewellery at night. One is our bodies fluctuate. So when you're asleep and we're healing, our bodies will expand. Sometimes it gets to a point where you won't be able to take your ring off at night. The other one is actually damaging the ring by accident. So you could you know, potentially put your body weight on it and start bending rings. So we just got to be careful of that. Yeah, and yeah. I guess no rings at the gym. Correct. No rings working out. Yes. Nathan wears, like, his ring is destroyed. It's got scuffs all over it. But that's, again, a male versus a female maybe wearing a ring. We would maybe mm. think to take it off more, whereas he's just, like, golf club straight on it in the shower. There is a big like, misconception useless. with precious metal. Mm. Yes, it is hard, but you got to keep in mind that we can still bend this with my hands. Yeah. So it's still quite soft. Now, especially with the gym, if you're going to pick up a dumbbell that A, has weight, B, the actual dumbbell itself has, you know, hardened steel, yeah. hardened steel versus any precious metal, it's always going to lose. Recipe for disaster. Correct. Yeah, I think I learned that the hard way. You already started to get indents in the base? Well, yeah, I kind of was like, oh, I j- actually Where don't. Where is your ring? I don't. It's getting resized. <laughs> I've had it for a year and then, then I was like, oh, it doesn't actually fit. It's been there for like three weeks, so hopefully. Hopefully it comes back to me. But anyway, I didn't actually realise, but I was in a Pilates class and there were weights. Yep. And I was like, oh, the ring. But then I just kind of soldiered on because I'm like, I don't want to take it off because imagine if I like forget it. Yep. But then, yeah, afterwards I kind of did realise I'm like there's little Indian. lines Indian. in it yeah. a little bit. We both have different ring shapes. Yeah. Yes. And I guess my question is, so I'm someone who has more of stumpy fingers in comparison to maybe yours, yes. which are a bit longer. Is there certain designs and ring shapes that you suggest yes. to elongate someone's fingers or suit their hand? Yeah, definitely. So with yours being a radiant, with radiant cuts, you can get them elongated or square. Totally think that an elongated radiant is going to help that. Ovals, pear shapes. So we've got radiant, ovals, pear shapes and marquee. Mm. They're the stones that would help elongate the finger because they are all top heavy, which is always going to help get maximum value and size on the hand running down, yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense because you're kind of like, pulling it's it like up. A, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like pulling the finger up. What shape did you go for, Megan? A pear. So uh-huh. it's just like yep. a gold band with yes. a pear. Yep. 
really plain and simple. It's gorgeous. No, that's good. For me, it was a really easy decision of I'm like a yellow gold gal. Yes. But if you're unsure or you're on the fence, do you have any tips and tricks or do people come in and they're just not sure which? Social media makes this hard. Which metal? Because you think you're a colour and then you see, like, this happened to me. Mm. I saw all these gold rings coming out which were on trend and I was like, oh, my God, maybe I don't want this silver. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I like to see what our clients wear to start off with to see, you know, realistically what's going to work with what you're currently wearing. If you're wearing a lot of yellow gold, but you're on the fence and you think, oh, maybe I want yellow, maybe I want white, what we try and do is incorporate a little bit of the yellow while still having the white. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, if you were to go, let's work off Taylor's ring. Mm -hmm. So, Taylor's ring is a halo, radiant cut, diamonds on the band. What we would then suggest would be the the band to be in yellow gold and then the halo to be in white. Mm -hmm. So, you get a mix of both. Yeah. So, you're still wearing a lot of the yellow and you're not losing that but you still get a bit more of an element with the white. I like that. A trend I'm seeing a lot of as well is the wedding band being the different colour yep. to the engagement ring and that sort of mixing metals mixing, and colours Mixing metals and really style too, so a lot of mismatching. Yeah. So not too many people are heading towards matching the wedding ring with the engagement these days. Unless you're like me and just quite a bit OCD. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do end up in the scenario where you've been proposed to yep. and... You just don't like your ring? Yes. How do you, I guess, suggest that you go about that and what options do you have? Yeah, so it is a tricky conversation. Unfortunately, there's no way around having that awkward conversation. Mm. It has happened and it does happen. What we suggest is have the chat with your partner, let them know, and then have a chat with us and we can try and work something out. So what we then try and do is understand what it is that they are wanting. And then we can see if either we can adjust the current ring that we have created for them, or we just create a new one. For instance, if they were to choose, you know, a one carat lab grown round dumb for argument's sake, but they wanted a two carat oval, then what we generally do is we'll take in that one carat lab grown and whatever they've paid for that, we just put it towards the next ring. Okay. So we try and help our clients that way. So Um, you can do a trading. Correct. That's what we want to do. So it leaves Mm -hmm. the door a little bit open so that they're not feeling as bad or they're like stuck with something that they're not 100% happy with. probably working with with a fresh canvas that way as well. Correct. I'm not sure if you've heard of this before, but what we actually do is if the partner is not sure on the design what they do is they come in with us and they select the diamond but we then just set that into a silver ring smart so I then they, pro- that. they propose and then the design process can be done together that's which nice. is special as yeah. well in a so thing. it's still a surprise yeah they still get that moment in the proposal mm. but then they can come back together and design it together i think you even just saying it does happen it, and most definitely. it's common yep if anyone's listening to this and they are in this predicament don't worry reach out it's happened before yeah. and mm. you know everything's fixable i guess there's also the point as well that you could love your ring now but in 10 years time so this happened to my mum she yeah. had her wedding bands and Honestly, from as long as I can remember, she's never worn them. Yeah. And I always ask, why don't you wear your wedding ring? And she just said, I just hate it. I Mm. don't like it anymore. It was something that was designed years and years ago and it just doesn't represent me anymore. However, the sentiment was still there that she wanted to use those diamonds because, of course, that was her original diamonds. And I actually suggested, why don't you get it redone? And Michael was able to create the piece that she envisioned and wanted and she now wears it every day. So there's that option as well. It doesn't have to be straight away that you hate your ring. It could be five, ten years' time when trends have changed, you've changed and you evolve with your ring. 
And I guess that's the great thing about a diamond, that it is quite versatile in the fact that you can reset it and redesign it. Most definitely. It's not like you're losing anything that you've just purchased. Yeah. We can just, you know, create something else that's going to actually be worn and you get the value out of it. But, yeah, for Taylor's mum, that was pretty cool because you could see how old that ring was Mm. And then we, you know, sort of revamped it and, and brought it back so to life for now. her. Yeah, yeah, I'm almost jealous. It <laughs> oh, made my ring look small. <laughs> Taylor wasn't happy. Taylor wasn't happy. <laughs> so for anyone that is listening to this and they're yes. planning on purchasing a ring, what are the top three things that you want them to take away from this episode? Okay, so I think it's important to understand what your partner is after. That's first and foremost. I think understanding if you want it to be a surprise, right? So if you want it to be a surprise then let them know that we do have options in place that's going to help you make the right decision. And don't feel too pressured that you're going to make the wrong decision and you're sort of stuck. That's really important. I think understanding the actual specs of the diamond itself and what you're purchasing is important. So speaking with a professional, that's probably the second. And the third, it's honestly just a piece that you're going to gift your partner. It's not the be all and end all. I love that. It's a symbol of love. It's the first point of call. I always say we are the first point of call when it comes to a wedding. So don't be too harped up on it. We can make that work. Yeah, I said that to one of my girlfriends the other day because, don't get me wrong, I'm, like, obsessed with my ring. Love it. But I'm like, in like 20 years time, it's not going to be. Relevant. I'll probably get probably an upgrade or like, yeah. you know, like I'll always cherish and absolutely adore this ring. Yep. But I'm like, we're realistic. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not really hugely into jewelry, so I'm like, yeah. maybe that's yeah, why. But yeah, like, I understand the pressure behind it because yeah. I think most of that pressure comes from the proposal and understanding. Okay, well, this is now the symbol that I'm going to now spend the rest of my life with this person. Exactly. So. It is a very emotional purchase. Mm. So we need to understand that. We take that into consideration and we try and make everyone as relaxed as possible. So the other thing is too, I feel the reason why I wanted to do the website this way is to be completely transparent. So there's pricing online. You get to see everything, all the information, where I feel like in the outdoor industry, there's not a lot of that. Agree. So I wanted to change that narrative and say, look, we're putting the cards on the table. We've got nothing to hide. Mm. If you have any questions, we're here. But this is what you can get with us. And I feel like that has changed our business a lot and it's definitely helped. And a lot of partners come in now by themselves. I feel like before they would come in, yeah, you know, they're still coming together, but definitely they're feeling a little bit more confident in making that purchase. All right. So before I ask, we kind of ask each guest a bit of a juicy question at the end. Yes. I'd also love to put it out there that if anyone has been proposed to, has taken a look at the ring and then decided to say no based off the ring. Let me know because that is a story I would like to hear. My question for you is what is the largest carrot you have produced for someone proposing? Okay. So recently we created a seven carat emerald cut. Mm, no. Uh, engagement ring, yes. It was for me? Very- <laughs> How big? That That's, would be bigger than my finger. It was extremely large. You will be able to see it on our Instagram page. So What shape that, was it? Our emerald cut. Emerald. Yeah. So that was an elongated one too. So it was very, very large. It's not really heard of going that large. These days, I'll probably say the average would be anywhere from one to three carats, I would say. Yeah. Depending if you're going lab grown or natural. 
But going past that, I generally find it's quite rare in Australia. Try and keep it a little bit more conservative. We're a bit more pared back. <laughs> For anyone that's listening that has no idea what lab or a natural yes. diamond Great is, question. Yes. what's the explanation? Yeah, sure. So there is a, a large misconception when it comes to lab-grown versus natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think that lab-grown are, are sort of fake diamonds. But I'm glad that I have this opportunity to, to talk about it because it's completely opposite. So let's talk about natural first. With natural diamonds, they are formed in the earth underground with heat and pressure, right? Now, the reason why they are so expensive is because the mining costs, the time, the employees to find them. It could take, say, for instance, Taylor's Stone, could take three years to mine and create in the earth. Mm -hmm. Now, with lab-grown, what we do is we start off with a natural diamond seed. Now, this seed hasn't been cut. It hasn't been adjusted. It's just really, really small. Now, this seed goes into a machine. This machine mimics the same heat and pressure that the earth does for natural diamonds. So it's still a diamond Correct. at the end of so the day. So it's still a diamond that's chemically the same as a natural diamond, but what we have to call it is lab-grown, right? not lab-made. Yeah, right? because it's, it's lab-grown. Yeah. Now, to give you an idea, once we put that seed in, it could take a week to make. Now, we've just shortened the amount of time to create the same stone. The costs are nowhere near as, mm, as much, significantly less. You've still got the chemical makeup. It's still got the strength, still got the sparkle, still got the certificates. So for us, we are definitely finding that lab-grown is the way forward in the future because, you know, the cost involved as well everyone is price conscious moving forward because instead of spending 30000 on a ring these days, you can get the same thing for 10000 for argument's sake. Wow. So then you can put the rest of the money towards something else, whether it be the wedding or a house or a car or whatever you prefer that you see value in. So the only difference over time is I imagine that the lab grown wouldn't go up in value as much as natural. Exactly right. So the only difference is the value changing. So with natural being harder to find and harder to mine, that will go up a lot faster than lab. The way I look at it is I look at it as apartment blocks. Mm -hmm. The more apartment blocks that are going to be built, the less value that apartment is going to be worth. Now, if a lab grown can be produced in a week, a lot more people are going to produce lab grown. So there's going to be a lot more options in the market. It just won't increase in value that much. But the way I look at it as well, is value only takes place if you're looking at selling something. You're getting a divorce. Well, that's, that's right. If you're getting a divorce, well, then that's a little bit different. We'll touch on that in another episode. <laughs> Hopefully that's not what we're going for. But, yes, so if you are looking at selling something, well, then we would recommend going natural. But the way you've got to look at it is from a financial point of view, if you are looking at trying to make a profit or make some money on it, if a natural diamond goes up 10% for argument's sake once a year, you realistically got to start looking in the $100,000 realm to sort of make decent money each year. Wow. Because, you know, if you spend $10,000, you know, 1000 bucks a year isn't really going to yeah. be cha- life-changing. So if a couple comes in and they're already arguing, you probably should suggest that they get a natural rather than a <laughs> <laughs> The hard part is, yeah, if they're already arguing before, then (laughs) I don't know if I really want to make the ring because it might come back. (laughs) Do you get that where people try to give the ring or get you to buy the ring back? Yes. Unfortunately, when relationships do break down, they do get in contact with us. So what we generally do is to try and help them rather than offer them a lower amount. We say, look, we'll take it back on consignment. We'll try and sell the ring for you to get maximum value and then we can reimburse you. So... 
That's you know, nice of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, because a lot of the time you find that someone will offer them, you know, a third of what they've paid. I don't find that to be quite fair. Mm. So obviously there is, you know, GST and taxes and things that we take of out of it, but nowhere near as much as sort of going to a secondhand dealer's shop and they might give you, you know, $1,000 for a $7,000 ring mm. where we'll say, look, we'll try and get you 5000 for it. And then, you know, we take the rest out for taxes and obviously the staff for selling the product. So, yeah, we just try and help our clients a little bit more that way. But they always have the option to try to sell it separately and privately as well. That's been such a handy tip. I've learned so much in this episode. (laughs) I hope that all the partners out there buying engagement rings or looking to buy engagement rings have learned a lot as well today. Yeah, and there's a lot more information on our website and on our Instagram too. So what we do is we do... Do you want to give us your website handle? Go on, give Uh, a plug. (laughs) michaelarthur.com.au. But look, honestly, our Instagram page will actually help both partners in this aspect because we product tag. So you get to see the sizing. Most of the time we put the pricing and if not, literally it's 60 seconds away to figure out what it's going to cost you. So our Instagram page, we try and focus on, okay, what if someone's looking at this and they got no idea? That's how we look at it when we post. We try and do it that way. I love Incredible. That. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank we you have both learned yeah, thank you for having so, so much thank from you. this episode. And I now want another diamond ring. So Let's do it. Great. <laughs> Look, for this week's shit, they didn't tell you. I can't help but laugh because (laughs) the actual, I guess, wording of it is blow me. Yeah. Have you heard of this? I've seen it on the TikTok. Mm. It's wordy. So you're going to tell your partner you have to blow me on the wedding day. You've got to kind of tell everyone to blow me. Let because us explain. It's not just your partner that's involved in this. It's more of a checklist. Yeah. So B stands for take the bouquet. So you're remembering your bouquet mm-hmm. out of the water at least an hour before, so that you don't get stains from dripping water on your dress mm-hmm. or on your bridesmaids' dresses or just really anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if you have those soggy stems. Especially, you know, like the bridesmaid's dresses in that satiny, silky material. Imagine you just have this big water stain right near down there. Near the coochie. Not cute. Yeah. Not ideal. Not cute. L, hold your bouquet low. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I'm glad I was told because looking back on comparison photos of brides that have held it high Mm. versus low, It actually does look really weird and awkward and it cuts you off. It blocks you. It's also something that you really need to consider when you're having a photo with your partner Mm. because half the time you're covering them. (laughs) So (laughs) hold it low down towards your hips. I think that'll show up best in photos. Yep. We have O, which is one hour. So be ready one hour before the ceremony, just in case someone might want to bring you a gift. There might need to be some photos retaken. You might have something you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think it also really gives you a moment to appreciate what is going on around you as well. Mm -hmm. Because if you're rushed and just trying to get in the car and everyone's telling you what to do, it can become quite overwhelming. And then you're going to go into your ceremony overwhelmed. So take that hour, make sure everything's ready plan that to your run sheet. Yes, we love a run sheet here. We love the run sheet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, W, wrist and ankles. Mm -hmm. This is really important because I go to so many events, look down at my wrist and go, there's a hair elastic on there. Same. Not ideal. You don't want that on your wedding day. So make sure you're looking down, taking off any jewelry that isn't meant to be on, as well as anklets or rings and whatnot. Yep. 
We have M. So we're going on to the me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) M is move your engagement ring to the opposite hand. Mm -hmm. This is so that your partner can pop the actual wedding band on to your engagement ring finger. Yes. And last but not least energy. Woo! You want to make sure that everyone that is with you leading up to going to the ceremony is providing good, happy energy. You don't need negative energy. You don't need stressful energy to really pick the people that you are having surround you on the day. And this includes your makeup and hair artists because you don't want them coming in and being a really negative personality or creating a negative environment. So Mm -hmm. make sure everyone is high spirits. Yes. (laughs) I love that. And if there is someone that you know could stress you out on the morning of, but they have to be there, get someone to babysit them. Mm -hmm. I love a babysitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say, look, this person might trigger me. Can you please, you know, be on them? Make sure we're all in good spirits and just suss the vibes. And if the babysitter sees... That the person is starting to annoy you, just swoop in. Yeah. Hi. In. Let yeah. me get you a champagne. Come on, come <laughs> have a drink with me or something, you know, distract them. It's really interesting what you said about making sure that your hair, makeup artists, photographers, etc., are good energy as well. Because I'm going to spill some tea. I'm obviously not going to name any names. But there is a very, very, very well-known hair artist on Insta in Melbourne that is probably the most talented hairdresser I've ever witnessed but their energy I would never have with me on the wedding day. So you have to be very careful. No, I can't name names, but you have to be very, very careful. Make sure you've met all of your stylists before the day and make sure that you gel with them. Pop some music on. Yeah. Get the vibes up. Exactly right. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Bride to Be. If you want more info on anything we discussed today, feel free to check out the episode notes or slide into Adore Beauty's DMs. If you don't want to miss a beat, be sure to subscribe in your podcast app to be notified when we drop our next step. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating. And of course, don't forget to share this with anyone in your world that you think would like to listen. See you next time. <laughs>